I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in a blunt way that I've said at a lot of my presentations at, at conferences. Any monkey can fling shit at a wall and call it an idea. <laughs> Taking that piece of shit and molding it into something that is valuable and worth selling, that takes time, talent, and dedication. Yeah, so you can tell people your ideas any day of the week, but just because they have heard your idea <laughs> doesn't mean they have the talent to take that and convert it into something right. else. Yeah, or they're or willing to invest the time and energy required to actually turn it into something. Welcome to the party. We are looking for more of your podcast for all things gaming with a focus on MMOs, RPGs, game development, and gaming culture. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg, and I'm joined today by my returning party member. So welcome back, Renfell. Every one of the uh, I think I was mixing words there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody bunny when anybody be and gibberish speak. We are missing. We are a, we're a man down today. Nathan Napalm. Couldn't be here today. I'm so sorry to say that. I know people are probably really disappointed. I know I am, but uh, he is it's on. It is for a good cause. He's on that. He's on the last. He's on the home stretch of getting that uh, deliverable that we talked about ready and rolling uh, for this weekend, which is his, uh, you know, kind of choose your own adventure style uh, YouTube video series that you can kind of play through. Um, hell, maybe, maybe it'll be up in time because I've got something coming up and I might be able to play it during my live stream, maybe this weekend, but. Look, before we dig in too far, uh, got to give a big shout out to the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thanks so much for keeping the parties, bags, packed, provisions, stocked for all of our adventures here on the show. Um, yo, we might be a man down, but I'm telling you, we got some fun topics today. Some of some of these things I've actually talked about a bit uh, previously or in videos, but um, you know, we don't have any uh, call-ins today, but if you do want to call in, you can call in at 1-539-664-6801. If you'd love to leave us a review over at iTunes, you can go to the pin post, the top of our Twitter, which is at the LFM show on Twitter. Go there, check the pin post. You will see the links to our podcasts and all the podcast places. And uh, you can go to iTunes, click the link, leave a five-star review and leave us a comment. And if you do leave us a comment, we'll play it right here live on the show um, or read it here on the show, play the messages on the show. Same thing, right? Um, in typical format, though, why don't we catch up with the cast? It's just myself and Renfell today, but Renfell, what have you been up to the past week or so, man? Um, man, a few things. Uh, so mm -hmm. we did our fourth tabletop session last night, which was epic. Published mm -hmm. Chapter 5 in the serialization of the book this morning on Patreon. I have been getting deeper and deeper into the... Um, I'm in between Realm Reborn and Heaven's Ward right mm -hmm. now, so I'm. I, I don't. I've, I looked at everything last night. I just finished up this morning. I think it's called Defense mm -hmm. of Eorzea or the Defender's Chunk of Patch Quests. I'm like halfway through, I think, that content. Um, and I, I think today was day 13 or 14 of my Twitch uh, experiment. And I mm -hmm. kind of after chatting with you about things a little bit more, I went ahead because I'm up early anyway, so I went ahead and set yeah, a schedule. Are. So. For those of you who want to come tune into that, I'm streaming from about seven o'clock in the morning till nine thirty or ten yeah, uh, on Central yeah. Time. Yeah, because I get up six o'clock most days, so I'm just hanging out with coffee and doing my streams in the morning, and then after that I go do sprints or runs or whatever with mm -hmm. my wife. And 
just doing that. And then on my day job note, um, I do have some exciting news, which I want to share. So uh, the day job that I'm working with now, I've been helping with this travel publication called Hidden Compass for since they started, basically, they started four years ago. And I've known one of the co-founders for about seven, mm-hmm. going on seven years now. And I've worked with her in the past. They brought me on to, as a consultant in the beginning. And then I just kind of started helping out with marketing and stuff. And then this year I went full time with them. And Newsweek just uh, put us in their finalist category for their future, get the award that, that, that we're up for. It's the future travel of 2021 nice. publications and we're a finalist in the storytelling category which was a pretty epic moment because uh, we also have like three contributors from the magazine who are in the storytelling category as well so if you want to check that kind of stuff out the brand is called hidden compass um it's a travel nice. publication we also have a podcast and a bunch of other stuff but that nice. was like a, a chest thump moment to say because none great, of us dude. knew that that was coming in the pipeline and then like two days ago it was like we get this notification that newsweek had put us up in their finalist category and it was like yeah, kind of cool <laughs> little bonus that's cool i see it on the cake so yeah it's, that's just been it's been that and then watching my wife attempt to game for the first time ever <laughs> she has she's been watching me play red dead online for like yeah. two months and she finally took the plunge last saturday and played for like a couple hours and then yeah. she was again right before the show today she did about another hour and a half and she's just trying to figure out how to control her character she got them birds and that was like a huge thing for her she's like oh my god i killed a vulture um so yeah it's been that's been interesting and fun because i i have a secret thing in the back of my mind that's like maybe she'll convert and that would be kind of fun but then i have to get two copies of everything which turns into expense expensive but you know it's worth it oh man we'll see if she takes the plunge i think i think mel and i were like talking the other day i don't remember what it was but someone said something and they were like the couple that slays together stays together, stays together. <laughs> and oh i was God. i was like I, I fucking love this and i was like i'm gonna take this shit and make it a fucking shirt or something and wear that yeah you need that i should i know i got like a list of things that just need to be made or whatever also shout out to volcanic amp there in chat who uh after we talked last week uh it actually dm'd me on discord and kind of was like hey if you want to join a you know, D and D sesh, you know, totally welcome. Unfortunately, like scheduling wise, it just doesn't work for me. Um, but that was really cool to get like an invite like that. I really appreciated that gesture. Yeah. That was like, by the way, I think that was the first actual like invite to by somebody who actually had something that was already going planned. So even though I can't make it, I just thought it was really cool and I appreciated it because I don't get, I don't get those types of invites very often, unfortunately. Um, I wish I could have done it, but it was like, damn it. It's just the timing was not, didn't bode well for, for making it work. I, I, I guess like past the knock on wood, by the way, I, I usually stream on Tuesday, right? Nah, man, I didn't get to And Now I was going to try to do it on Wednesday. Nah, man, didn't get to Why is that Sim fucking ISP dude? Oh my God. I was like, just, Oh, was triggering me so bad i was like i can't do anything i want to do and i want to do this really bad i couldn't man i wanted to like jump on and talk about some of the stuff we're going to talk about here on the show today luckily i recorded it i just it didn't feel the same recording like you know people do stuff on youtube right they do the whole like they kind of like oh this just popped up in gaming news i've done a bunch of those videos right and i post them and they're great and everything Man, I don't think I'm I don't think I can do videos like that without my homies in chat. Like it something about having all of my friends in chat to like 
read, even if I don't read the comments while I'm doing the discussion, I still see them and it totally fuels conversation for me. And I thrive on that stuff, man. And it just felt so, it felt empty to do it. But I did post the thing talking about the thing with Activision Blizzard and the potential shredding of evidence. Just a yeah, topic. Watch that video yet? Yeah, which is a topic we'll get to. You, I think you linked me the Kotaku yeah. um, article, which we'll link here shortly and everything. But I got an announcement. If you're here live right now, if you listen to the show, it'll be up on, um, you know, all the podcast places later tonight. I, as promised, when I hit partner, I said I would do a 24-hour live stream. Also, I promised that this beautiful beard of mine would get tainted by the choice of everyone here, and they chose a phoenix themed beard which i'm like the what, fuck am I what does that mean what does that mean i don't know but luckily i i like have some people that i know around me who are like here's some things you can do i was like i think i could do that people were like going do it like this and then do the tips i'm like you think i've got that kind of skill you think i have the skill to do that i will probably fry this right off my face and then people are going to get a no beard stream anyway which people probably would like but to be fair no my woman will kill me if I lose my beard. I think she wouldn't kill me. She'd just be not as happy with my appearance or whatever. This is literally the fault of Chris. You, when you met me, I remember uh, a couple years back. I always had like <laughs> a remember. like a a month a month Month-ish, of growth. Yeah, you know? but I always I once a month I trimmed mm-hmm. it on like the number four or whatever. Yeah, and then when we got when I cut my hair off last september chris was like you should grow your beard out and then the longer it's gotten the more she's been like oh you gotta go for the gandalf length now like you just you gotta you just gotta keep going it's like fair enough babe but like i had a call with my my sister's kids uh two days ago and i hadn't talked to them in like a year on on any platform and they saw me with the beard and it was like uncle tim what did you do oh my gosh too funny so fun when i go out now too because all the kids on the street are like Mom, mom, it's like mama, mama. ¿Qué pasa con esto, hombre? Tiene una barba muy larga. ¿Qué pasa? It's it's, it's fun. I got. I started. Are you ever gonna braid it? I gotta ask, man. It's... Yeah, Chris braided. Oh, Chris braided yes. it. Um, uh, about two weeks ago. I didn't do it on stream, but she, we were in bed. She's like, "Can I braid your beard?" And I was like, "Go for it." And uh, by the time I woke up in the morning, it was gone because we didn't we didn't put anything in it. But she's been wanting to braid it because it is long enough now. So more than likely, what we've done, we've tried four different styles, and I haven't decided which one I like yet. But uh, uh, yeah, soon we will do a stream where I will I will have a bearded, uh, braided beard. Yeah, man. So so you're gonna be doing streaming more consistently for a while, which is cool. You're like much earlier in the day than I am. Like I'm I'm like the late night guy most of the time. This is this is actually early for me these days because I'm trying to work on New Zealand time, which is still yeah. fine because like I'd still jump on like in the evening, but then I go until like the early hours of the you know morning, like three, four in the morning or something here, CDT. But what I was gonna say was as promised, a 24-hour live stream. I saw Armored Cell in chat was like 11 months of waiting for a 24-hour live stream with his 11 months up. And it's here. Yes, it's going to be here tomorrow, 10 a.m. CDT. We're going to go live. We're going to do games. We're going to do chatting. We're going to be talking about some goals. Got some goals set. Got some small giveaways I'm going to do. Um, got like, you know, I'm going to try to like raise a little bit of funds. to like, basically now as a partner, I've got all a whole plethora of slots open for like sub badges. Like it goes so much further beyond the normal affiliate thing. It's crazy how much further it goes. So I need a lot more of those. There's already people that have got like years with me that have been subbed. So 
I'm going to try to like make that a priority, like moving forward and try to get those like done first thing. And then like some emotes, cheer emotes and animated emotes. I need to add some more of. So there's like a lot of stuff that I can add and I'm trying to make that a priority um, here for the near future. So I can like get that there. So the people that do subscribe to this channel do support me with the, uh, you know, supporting the content, but by subscribing can have more for their subscription, more value for their subscription. Um, so yes, tomorrow I will go live 10 AM till 10 AM. Now, the only thing I'm going to mention is it is possible I'm going to put this out there. It's possible that there could be some interruptions, knock on wood. I don't hope, I don't expect that there will. I'll still do it from 10 to 10, but if there's some time down, I'll figure something out, but just putting that out there. Um, but we're going to be doing some fun, just having some fun chatting about gaming, about everything going on. Um, plans for this show, plans for the other podcasts, plans for the channel, plans for some websites and the community going through the rest of the year, plans for myself. Um, I actually decided I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I kind of pulled out on some things that I was I was in, going to be invested in. Um, there was a game development that I decided not to kind of like do stuff with anymore. Um, I felt like it was better to just kind of like focus on my own path. So I am going to work on my first book. I said hell with it. Fuck yeah. I'm doing it. I'm just going to get to it. I'm going to get the first one done. I'm going to get to it. I got homies here and I figure I got a handful of people here who can like check it out, read it. I can give some copies away when it happens and I can just let them tell me what they think and, you know, see if it fuels the fire to do all the other ones. Cause yeah, there'd be a lot of them, but plus I got some people in my corner who have actually done that. Like you, like, you know, a handful of other people I know that have kind of been down that road I, uh, some, some degree. It's probably, I mean, it's the one thing I wanted to do before I ever got into game development. The one thing mm -hmm. I wanted to do from the time I was a kid, was to be a, a fantasy and science fiction writer. So when I finally got the opportunity to pursue that path, it was the coolest thing ever. Like the first story I sat down to write professionally was also the first one I sold and it sold nice. to the first place I sent it to. And it was like destiny, you know, and mm -hmm. now I'm 13, 14 years into that career. And I've done a lot of other stuff, you know, with like travel writing and, and, and travel publications and photography and videography and drone shit and all this other stuff. But, I always come back to fantasy um, more than science fiction. Um, I do. The weird thing is like all the, the books that I've done have all been fantasy books. I did the sci-fi anthology, but that was all short stories. And I've, I've got ideas for um, I actually, right before we kicked off project Dramond, um, December, January, February, I worked on the first half of a sci-fi novel. Mm -hmm. um, I got like 65,000 words done in about uh, two and a half, three months. Um, and then that got put on hold while we worked on Project Dramon. But man, writing, I, there is, it's cathartic. It's, it's, I think the coolest thing to me, especially because I know you've been working on, like fleshing out the idea of this world for, you know, 15 yeah. years or so, or however yeah. many years it's been. Long. When you, when you actually start seeing that come together on paper and you can start taking the things that are up here and putting it into a place where it takes form. Yeah it's 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 orgasmic dude it's, it's, it's hard to turn back isn't it it is it's a lot of fun um it is a oh. lot of fun so you know what i've been actually working on lately i actually have all of the continents for my world on a i've already drawn it out like the the outline of the continents and everything and the first book takes place in one small area in the world map which is significantly 
like the size is pretty big. Like that's all I can say. And like, so I've got the small little area on the map, which is like, like this is the map, the screen here, right? This is the map with all the continents and everything. And then there's a small area. And then I've got that on a map that I've been like working on too. And like going through and sketching out like mountains and things like that. I've been basically, I'm in the process of world building, but like I always had in my mind, like this idea of how I wanted it to look. But then when I actually went and I said, okay, and I put it down, even though it's not a, a map that's got all the points of interest, all the terrain mapped out, because let's be real, some of that's going to change as I'm writing the books. It's just part uh -huh. of the deal. Because like if I'm going from point A to B and this is supposed to happen, maybe I didn't draw like the mountains in the right place where the point of interest should be. And it doesn't make sense to go from here to here and like talk about that journey if the map doesn't like align. So like my I'm like super OCD and I've been doing that and like just having it all out, like written out, I was like, oh my God, this feels so nice because it's not here anymore. It's actually uh -huh. tangible and I can put my hands on it and I can look at it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a trip. So I'm in the world building phase currently. I mean, I've done some, but I'm in the more structured, putting it all down, mapping it all out, really taking all of the cultural pieces, the religious pieces, like all of the eras and the time frames, and like actually putting it on like cards, three by five cards, pinning it up, making notes of it. Um, um, I'm going to actually use some timeline software. I think there's like some uh, timeline stuff that you can get. Um, there's like free ones too, but I actually want to take some of that and like put it out like that. So I don't have the cards there anymore. Um, and then I've got like, you know, I'm not going to open this and show it off or anything, but if you all saw what was actually in this right now that I'm not going to open on stream. <laughs> If you saw all the things that were actually in here, I would so be giving things away, but I'm not doing that. But I need a bigger, bigger one because I need to actually, I need more space. And I'm actually going to write it all out like by hand because that's just the way I kind of work. So the first time I do it, I'm writing it out by hand. Um, I used to write all of my, I mean, somewhere in a box at my sister's house, I think I've got, there's 15, 20 notebooks from when I was growing up where I just used to write short stories that's all i used to do i would come home from school and i would read books and write write short stories because that, that was before the internet and before i was you know into mmorpgs and stuff so there was a lot more time for creativity compared to where i'm at as an adult um process has gotten a lot more streamlined mm -hmm. these days too though because when you're 14 years into something and you've done like 15 million words of publication it's like there comes a point where you can kind of just look at something and and go with it the writing by hand, I don't know that I would do that anymore. But yeah. I did used to do it for the first projects because there is a, a very, it's a, there's a visceral feel to that yeah. um, when you're putting your first ones down on paper. Um, but I've also got, I've got a couple of friends who like to type things out on a typewriter, and I just, I won't. Um, I'm just like, that, kudos to. I know you guys love the click clack and the, the feel of that manual. Uh, you know, and, 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 and they say the, the friends that I have yeah. who use manual typewriters talk about how it keeps them more in the process because they have to be very thoughtful about the words they're putting oh, on paper because it. you can't, right. you can't just delete, you know? So, um, I was like, that sounds interesting, but I like, <laughs> because I use voice software these days because yeah. my hand is fucked. So since I'm doing this, it's stream of conscious onto the page and then coming back later and editing, um, that's the workflow that I have these days. And if you ever get a chance, mm. um, Kevin J. Anderson, who's written a bunch of Star Wars novels, he's the one who's co-writing the Dune novels with uh, Brian Herbert, who's Frank Herbert's son. Mm -hmm. um, he does everything with a recorder, and he's been doing this for like 20 years, and he goes on hikes. So he goes out, and he hikes, and he tries to do 4,000 words every time he goes out for a hike, and he goes out every single day, and he dictates into a recorder 
two chapters every single day, which is about 4,000 words. And when he gets home, he sends that off to his typist. She types it up, sends it back, and then he edits from there, which I think is a very interesting workflow. And I've I've contemplated that I think the next project I work on, I would like to attempt that and see what it's like um, because it sounds like a very interesting work process. And he's been doing it that way for 20 years, but he also puts out, you know, like six, eight novels a year, which is ridiculous. I mean, people talk about how Brandon Sanderson is like, oh, he's so productive. I'm like, yeah, you need to look at Kevin J. Anderson (laughs) because that dude is productive. Yeah. So, you know, what's you know what it is though for me is like I can go into like Photoshop and do thumbnails, I can do things like that. I don't know, man. It's with me when I do art, like it's I do like mostly I do black and white, like charcoal stuff is what I typically do, or sketches like lead lead on paper. That's like always been my that's been the main thing that like feels right for me. It just it's something about like, you know, the smearing of charcoal and having the like it's it's a crazy process like as an artist i know we're totally talking about something a little different here i guess you get to see the art side of him a little bit but like for me whenever i'm using charcoal like there's a there's a stage in between when you start using the charcoal to where it's it's actually like embedding into your pores and your skin and stuff and it's actually like mm-hmm. kind of like getting stuck into your skin and then sort of creating a layer there's like this process of getting to that point when i get to the point where there's like a layer on my fingers I almost can like control the layer and that's what I use to do like my, my actual shading and stuff like that. And so there's something about that process that just really resonates with me. It's very delicate because from beginning to end with like charcoal, when you do that, um, and I've got some pieces I've shared before, but when you do that process, like it, it's so fragile, like until you get to the end of it. And then when you get to the end, of course you get like your, you know, like non-scented freaking aquanet or whatever and you go over it and spray that baby down yeah and then you can't smear it smudge it but all the way up until you're done it is just i mean one smear and it's just fucked it all up you've just destroyed it like the repair is is extremely difficult to carry out at least for me at that point um someone was mentioning you know programs that you can use for world this is what i use i'm going to drop this i'm going to drop a link in here i'm not affiliated or anything but um i use incarnate which is this is an online version so let me um have i ever i'm gonna gonna send you something in discord here real quick you could just take a look at because this is i haven't done the um most recent version i paid for the pro version which was like 25 bucks for a year i think There's also, I forget the pro, I forget there's another program we were using for Saga Leucemia. Um, and I cannot remember what it was. Well, let me give you real quick if I can find where I put this file here. This is the social version. Uh, nice. This is not the final version, but this is the this is the one that I put out on social media. Oh, so shit. I did that with the program. So uh, damn, um, that's nice, and dude. I've got I've got a series. I did a series of YouTube videos. I think I did 12, 10 or twelve videos nice. where I, I recorded the entire process of putting this together, which took about I think about 12, 13 hours more or less. I like that, dude. Looks nice. Um, and that's that's very rudimentary, and that's just one of the styles that Incarnate has because that's like the parchment style map. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Then they then they have like the high def. Um, uh, stuff for cities and stuff. So, um, let me send you another, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm, no, it's cool. I haven't shared this stuff with you before. Cause this is all stuff that we yeah. put out on my social. This is, and then you can also do like, um, these, these are the maps that I'm using for the, uh, for the, 
tabletop um, nice. campaigns. Hang on, I'm gonna send you one here. If I find it, this is like the uh, this is the city, um, and this is like with their high def. So I actually made this in an 8K resolution, but then I've Whoa. got this shrunk down to a uh, 1K version for or 2K version for the the. Um, cool. If I share tabletop. this with chat, by the way. Oh, totally. Yeah, these are right, ones cool. I've already shared on social media. I just I had these files in my folder, so I was sharing these with you real quick. Yeah, I want to look at share this with chat while they're watching. And then I gotta find right there. And then this is like one of the villages that we did. Um, and you've got clouds oh, and nice. birds, and so it's all just this particular program. Um, wow has all these assets and there's the free version where you get basic assets and then there's the um the uh the the pro version which is like 25 bucks for the year and you get a bunch of high def and they add new assets every month they've got like new farm packs and they've got you could do dungeon maps you can do um oh, battleground nice. maps you can have grids in the map for tabletop stuff or you can just do these big open maps like i've been doing for the um yeah. um for all the tabletop sessions so i'm doing 8k maps for patreon subscribers and then we do the 2k maps which are virtual tabletop ready for roll 20 and uh, it. Jeez, yeah so this is you know because i did everything in by like you i did every all my original maps were hand-drawn um and then once i had everything kind of roughly where i wanted that's when i was like i need to find a program to start taking these and transfer them mm. into um into um that's cool Condor. I love yeah, Feist. Um. So yeah, that's that. But that's the, you know, that gives you a little bit of a range because you oh, got yeah. the world map, city map, and then like a village, and you can do all sorts of different things. Dig and they're it. constantly adding stuff. Plus, you can, if you're an artist, you can upload your own assets to that yeah, program. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Perfect. So you could do all your own lighting. You could do all your own like little dwarves and elf figures. You can do top-down maps. You could do the side maps. You could change the lighting angle of the shadows. So many things with this program. Um, but it gets um, it, it, incarnate can get a little addictive because I'll get on it and start making a map, and then I look up and it's like six hours later, and it's like oh, <laughs> that's like doing art, man. He's getting the zone. <laughs> That's sick, dude. Yeah, that's really good. I'm glad I could kind of share that. Specifically this image. Sure. The other one that you had, I'm going to share one of these real quick with everybody sure. watching. The uh, Yeah, let me go ahead and properties, swap this over to, let's look at this one. This one's a good one here. Yeah. That's pretty That's sick. the main city. That's actually where the, um, that's where the tabletop, the, the module that we're playtesting right now, yeah. the first module for the setting, that's that's the city that it's taking place in. Um, that that map took about um, about ten hours to do that map. Wow. Um, this was the third map I did, so by this point I had kind of gotten a little bit better with the um, with the controls. But the thing is, is like, um, let me share one more with you mm -hmm. uh, behind the scenes here, just so I can show you because that Absolutely. that one in particular, like the city map, you know, that's a big it's way panned out but here's mm. the cool thing because when you do it in 8k so you see the the bottom right like there's those towers yep so then what you could do is you can zoom in and then you can do this map oh shit you can literally just zoom in and take a screen and you can cut out a section nice. and move it over to its own thing 
and you've already got all those assets in place, but then you can continue to add more assets in a close-up version of this. And you can go, I mean, you, if you get into Incarnate and look at the maps that other people have done, mm. you can go as, you can zoom in and just do a scene that's literally just like a boat and the figures take up three quarters of the screen and it's all to scale and it's whatever you want it to be. It could be completely zoomed out. It could be a world map. It could be a scene map. It could be a top down. There's some uh, really cool stuff um, that you could do with Incarnate. And yeah. thank you so much, Ray. Um, That's sick, dude. I'm going to hundred percent like check that out. I already got the website pulled up too, but people that are people that are probably listening to this later are going to be like, what are they talking about? And this is why I encourage people whenever possible to join us live because you get to see this stuff and you don't miss out on like the visuals that we're sharing here. Um, but you know, incarnate's what we're talking about. We've talked about the site and everything. So, um, let's get, let's get on, let's get on track. So I'm going to, that we could sit here and talk about this probably freaking for hours, man, honestly, (laughs) I'm no, no BS. I could sit here and just go, you know, for me, it's like the, it's tangible though. It's a tangible media of like just having my hands on it. But I think once I get through that process of just doing all of that, the world itself is actually a little bit of a daunting task because it's big, man. It's like big, big, big. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going one piece at a time, I think. And I think what I'm going to probably do is like do one section, any of the sections that like the stories are in over time and then eventually get to the whole world yes. once I've actually... Because otherwise, this is way too much to do right now. And it's way, way I'm also way glad I'm hearing what you said because yeah. if you if you do if you do it that way, I don't know if you've ever read like um, yeah. Forgotten Realms novels or like Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. I always like to look at Dragonlance because Dragonlance started off in a very small part. If you look at the whole world map, Dragonlance is huge, but it starts off in a very small place, and it's no different. Like because you read Echoes of the Past, and that book, yeah. I mean, it with that particular map, it does. It goes up through one area, but it's really only one section of the yeah. map when you look at the, the continent. Mm. You have to you have to start small. And the other cool thing about this is like you can have broad ideas for what all this other shit is on the map, mm-hmm. but you don't have to worry about defining that until you get to it. So if your story is taking place in that tiny little spot on the huge rectangle of what is the world map yeah. that's great because you can literally write a trilogy that only takes place in like one kingdom on a map that has yep. say 30 kingdoms or 12 continents or whatever the case may be and that's a great way to do it is to break it up because there's no reason to try to to do this whole that's no. as cool as game of thrones is that's one of the curses that george R. R. martin has is he's he's painted himself into a corner where he's trying to tell a story across multiple continents and it's just so many, too many characters. Um, and that can get very, very tricky. Um, so yeah, great to hear. Like, yeah. Start small. Yeah. It's just, a, I feel like it's better. It's like doing a puzzle, man. You know, it's like, I got the picture in my head. I just need to put the pieces in place a little bit at a time. I already know what the framework is for it. So that's all that really matters to me. Um, but I'm excited about it. It's, it's tough. I got to ask you, like when mm-hmm. you're writing and you're like hanging out with your homies and stuff, like it's gotta be really tough, right? Not to like share everything and talk about everything and to talk to people around you about um, it. This is, this is actually really funny that you mentioned this because last night at the end of our tabletop session, we yeah. turned the cameras off and we were no longer streaming. And I gave everybody a 30 minute lore dump on stuff that they really, I spoiled a little bit for them, but it was also, kind of necessary because part of the reason that we're doing the play testing the way we're doing it is because 
I told everybody going to it, I have notes for what this campaign module needs to have happened, but I also want there to be fluidity from the play testers to dictate some of the things that'll happen so that when I go away to write it later on, I have my notes that I can look at versus the session notes of what actually took place. And then I can take their characters, put them into the campaign module as famous NPCs and flesh things out a little bit more. But we're also taking feedback from our playtesters on certain because we're doing our own homebrew fifth edition settings. So there there are some unique mechanics and rule sets that we're doing that are a little well, a lot different than like traditional fifth edition stuff. So like last night we had um, an energy transference that was going to happen between our paladin and uh, our paladin and templar and some mages but because we're dealing with quantum energy from the church members it's not holy divine magic it's quantum energy from technological devices versus elemental magic we were you know i had in, in my in my mind how how this energy transfer takes place but what do you guys think should be the you know the the give and take like should they lose spell slots should they lose half their hit points like what should be the consequence of doing an energy transfer and so there's this give and take with the players but then after the session was over and we were off camera it was what did you guys think about this and and a couple of people asked questions about the magic and they were like well what does this mean and what does this sickness that's going on mean and i was like okay here's a little lore dump for you i'm spoiling a little bit but it didn't really matter because the stuff that they're playing for session one The whole point of like the the first like six campaign modules is to go to discover what is causing this plague that's going on right now, this sickness. Um, and it's this thing that has to do with history and all this other stuff. And so they got a lore dump last night. Now, I don't typically do that, but because these people are patron subscribers and mm-hmm. playtesters and everything else, it was like, you guys are here supporting, you're behind the yeah. scenes, you're here every Wednesday night, you've been here for you know five months while we've been building this up, so guess what? Story time. <laughs> and and um, they got a little bit of a lore dump. Um, I don't share too much with other people for a lot of reasons and it's mm-hmm. some it's sometimes it is hard especially mm-hmm. if you're drinking wine or smoking a little bit of weed or something and you just want to start <laughs> you know really yeah. going off and telling <laughs> stuff yeah but like um not to be paranoid or anything like that but um sometimes your ideas if you can trust the person that's great you know it's if you have those types of friendships where you can trust people and, and give them that lore dump and everything else but I would also say that um, it is rare to find people who are going to be on the same wa- same wavelength with mm-hmm. you in terms of story, and so you you might have all this stuff in your mind, and and sharing it with other people can be cathartic and can be amazing. And if you're True. with the right people, that can be a very amazing two way thing that turns into a great way to expand the ideas that you've had but finding those people can be tricky yeah um sometimes you'll find it with your significant other yeah um, i'm looking at department right and so if you can find that um chris i was she never got involved with saga lucima but when she, when i asked her if she wanted to do art for this project um and especially you know doing the chapter art for the chapters and and the, the all the art for the tabletop he got really into that because she was like, oh, I get to I, I like to draw. I like to paint. I like to do art stuff. And and now I'm be able to to, to do that. Um, but she doesn't she and I don't have the same. Um, she understands the story, 
but she's not as intimately connected with it as my brother and I are because my brother and I have had a lot of back and forth on the world building side and, and we've been building this together. Whereas Saga of Leucemia, I built in a bubble. Um, that was me, you know, 20 years ago, creating that world and then building it from there and then just sharing it over time. Um, so to kind of bring this back to your original question, which was how do I feel? I think it was how do I feel about sharing with other people? Mm-hmm. I think that's great if they're the right people. Yeah. Um, and and you know that they're on the same wavelength in terms of being passionate storytellers. Um, I don't believe this whole bullshit. You know, people get paranoid about, you know, they're going to steal my ideas. Oh, fuck that. That <laughs> doesn't really exist. It really doesn't. Yeah. Unless you're at like the level of Hollywood where you go in to pitch a script to somebody and they're like, yeah, that doesn't work for us. But behind the scenes, they're taking right, notes. Writing it all down and getting it. Yeah, because they're like, yeah. that's a $5 million idea. We don't have to pay this guy. So, but when you're just talking your buddies mm-hmm. and people you hang out with, nobody's going to take that idea because here's the thing, an idea I'm going to, I'm going to say this in a blunt way that I've said at a lot of my presentations at, at conferences, any monkey can fling shit at a wall and call it an idea, <laughs> taking that piece of shit and molding it into something that is valuable and worth selling. That takes time, talent, and dedication. Yeah, so you can tell people your ideas any day of the week, but just because they have heard your idea <laughs> doesn't mean they have the talent to take that and convert it into something right. else. Yeah, or they're or willing to invest the time and energy required to actually turn it into something. Yeah, I definitely can Yeah, it's that. it's so different. Like mm-hmm. this even goes, I mean, we can we can even spin this back around to game development sure too can. because 100%. so many Kickstarters that we've seen yes. are a, people with ideas but then those kickstarters ultimately fail the projects fail two years down the road and it's because uh, people had some ideas and ultimately they weren't able to take those ideas and turn it into Mm. anything so that's why i don't buy into this whole thing about how you should keep your ideas secret and i mean getting an nda signed when you're going to go over something with someone is just a good smart legal decision um to protect your Mm. intellectual property but beyond that you don't need to be paranoid about ideas because no one's ever going to do anything with it like you are because it's your baby. Fair, yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think part of the re- part of the reason I've been like propelled to just go for it is like I, every time I'm sitting here talking about, I've been putting a lot more of it together lately. It's like, you know, you go back to like the beginning of your idea, you know? And for me, it's like natural. You're like watching something, right? You're watching a, a movie you're, you're reading a book, you're a comic, a, you're in a game, you're doing something. And, and like, you're like, man, you know, it would be cool if this existed somewhere in something I'm playing or doing or whatever. And that for me was like the original spark of my ideas was like this thing of like, what if in a universe similar to this, this could actually happen in these circumstances instead of maybe something's going on here and like so, sparks this. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you just, you, know, you just touched on something yeah. which so many people, I think they, they don't, they don't give it enough credit, mm-hmm. which is everyone has a source of inspiration from somewhere sure. or something. And it lot. can be, dude, it can be anything. Yeah, it can yeah, be a for piece sure. of music. It could be a piece of art. It could be a game. Like you were saying, it could be any type of medium. If you're a creative individual, you will latch onto these things. And suddenly it's like, oh, hang on. Now, what about, what if, what if this happened? So side note, um, when my brother and I first started this project, this is, this is what I want to talk about real quick because you, you just said something about inspiration sources. So when we first started this, we had in our mind that it was a you know high fantasy with this other element going on that would that would 
kind of we wanted to create a, an issue and so we said well what if we did something like what's going on in the world right now where there's a pandemic we can create a, a magical pandemic and so that wow. got us started with this idea of doing this but then now that we're six months into the project right i'm at the park with chris like a month ago we're on on our walks and runs and we're talking about it and i was like she was like hey that actually sounds like a zombie thing and i was like oh my god you're not wrong like are we creating a like a like magical zombie they're not zombies it's not zombies that that's going on but it's like if you turn the the scope around and look at it in a different light which is what you're talking about here taking getting an inspiration from something and going but what if we did this right what if i did it this way and then when i flipped that i was like on the i immediately called my brother and I was like dude have you thought about it like this and so we were, we were walking through it and i and i told him i was like this is kind of sounds like if you're watching like a, what is it 28 days was it 28 days, days later? later? 28 days. Oh man, that was good. Yeah. Which is not zombies, but it's like this yeah. rage plague, right? Yeah. And so I was like, isn't this what we're building, but we're doing it within a medieval yep. fantasy environment? He's like, dude, it is. And I was like, I hadn't thought about that until I had the conversation with Chris. And then it was like, well, now I'm looking at the project in a different light. Now it's not necessarily high fantasy. It's kind of like uh, mm-hmm. it's fantasy with some 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 <laughs> horror horror elements going on, which I had never considered. So but looking at 28 days later, it was like coming at it from a different angle at that point. Yeah. It was like, oh my God, now this can be an inspiration source as well because we're doing something that has similarities to that. Dude, yes. yeah, I could ramble about creative juices it. all day, man. It's, it's, I love my job. You know, <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I, I love my job. I was going to hit on this whole Activision Blizzard thing. Nah, man, I'm just going to scrap it. I'm just going to link it here in chat, man. I posted a video. I'm just going to tell people, yeah, I'm going to promote my stuff. They can just check out the video. I posted on this in Morgue HQ YouTube if they want to, which is where this podcast goes. Um, kind of did a bit of rant right over it there. I'm going to leave it there because I, I'd really kind of dig into something that's a good a good tie-in to everything we've been talking about now. Um, so when we talk about uh, what's like a natural selection for us, when we like when we experience a game, right? Mm. When we see a game that's presented, like what? always seems to be the natural like gravity for us. Like we're always just gravitating naturally to this type of game. Like, is it, you know, and this is a question for everybody listening or watching right now too. Like what comes naturally to us as gamers when you think about the games that you select, you know, I can say right offhand, a hundred percent tell you what mine are RPGs for sure. RPGs across the board, it, ARPG, JRPG, you know, MMORPG, it doesn't matter, man. It's if it's an RPG, it already has has a strong possibility of catching my attention because every damn game in the genre, even if there's like something that I'm like, ah, I can't really get into it, there's still a, an essence of it that caught my attention for me to even make that decision in the first place, to where I was like already, you know, going, oh, an RPG. It's an RPG. Cause you know what that means. It's a role-playing game. You know, you think about all the games. I mean, all the games I played growing up. I mean, I played tons of the Legend of I, I got to stop you here, Because yeah. this blows my mind. Yeah. That as much as you love RPGs, yeah. <laughs> you've never played fucking tabletop. I know. I'm I knew you were going I'm, there. I knew you were going I, there. I, 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 I got you. I got you last week <laughs> you live did. saying you're going to do this. Yes. So I'm, I'm, you're committed now. Yeah, I already I'm said taking, I am taking. I am taking you on a journey, my friend. Um, because I think your mind is going to be blown because, <sighs> um, as as much fun as RPGs are, yeah. 
explain to me a little bit um, because I, I think, <laughs> at least for me, at least for me, one of the reasons I love RPGs so much is the immersion of trans, the transferring of of my consciousness into another place. Now that's harder for me to do with like ARPGs because action games don't always necessarily have the same connotation with story that say Baldur's Gate does, uh, or or you know, look recently, Celasta. Celasta was oh, yeah. an I played that amazing, dude. I bad. I it, that was a great game. Had a few moments of the storyline was a little cheesy and tropey, but for the most part, it was really good. Pathfinder, that's the right. The Wrath of the Righteous is next Thursday. That first Pathfinder game was really badass. Pillars of Eternity one and two. These are games where I've been able to put hundreds of hours in because of the story and it pulls me in the lore and really being able to be the characters so yeah. i'm really curious what it is that you find because for me <laughs> that aspect of rpgs is what i love so much yeah. and that's because i started with you know i started with rpgs when i was a kid with the actually i started with point and click adventure games um king's quest series quest for glory series the space quest series and then when i was a teenager i got into tabletop and I was like, oh my God, now I can go from just, um, instead of having a single character that I'm clicking, oh, now I am the character. And now I'm using my imagination and I'm getting to create like the adventures and storylines with my friends. And you're sitting around and the, the, the guy who I consider to be my mentor, my mm -hmm. friend, Ted, he's about 10 years older than me. And I met him. I'm going off on a tangent now. Sorry. I mean, um, hey, that's what we do, right? Phantom Menace was coming out. I had just gone to the first Star Wars uh, festival in Denver because I lived in the area. Um, bought, not going to lie here, I bought 12, I bought tickets to every showing the first day of the Phantom Menace. Showed up in full costume as Qui-Gon Jinn, long hair, beard, and everything else. Shit. My buddy was there as Darth Maul because he had his head shaved. He was a big bodybuilder dude. Nice. And we got there thinking that we would be first in line and we were going to camp out overnight at the local theater in Loveland, Colorado. And there was a dude already there with a camper shell on his truck and a big ass Malamute golden retriever dog. And he's just sitting there with a fucking cooler and a, and a, and a, a camp stove smoking weed and hanging out in front of the movie theater. And I'm like, who are you who's beat us here? I need to know you. And ended up playing when everybody started right. We were undefeated. He and I um, teamed up and played star Wars trivial pursuit for like, it was like 18 hours before somebody finally beat us. Had to have a really good friendship with him. And we started this campaign where we would play in between my work, you know, if I had, because I used to work construction. So sometimes you get a month off between contracts. And on those months off, I would go over to his house at like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and we would play for 18, 24, 30 hours, no sleep. And it's just like every six hours, you're making a run to Wendy's or somewhere and grabbing some food, coming back. And that went on for like two years. And it was the coolest, like that was the coolest campaign that I had. And what really got me into, you know, DMing um, was because of the storytelling that was going on there mm -hmm. and being able to really get into character. So spinning this back around to you again, because I totally like took your subject and ran with it. It's cool. Um, what is your favorite part of RPGs? Like, what do you, what is it that really gets you? Because uh, for me, it's the story it, and the immersion. It, it it is the story. It is the story and the immersion. It's 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 getting. See, this is already going to feed into where you're going with this, <laughs> right? Which is where you're going to try to sell me even further on why this is going to be so important for me to actually jump in on with you. Which I already agree ahead of time, right? But for the sake of the the entertainment value here and people going, wait, what? Or what are you talking about? I'm going to go ahead and answer the question that I already know is going to basically give Renfield a reason to say this is exactly why you need to do this. 
And that is, it's, it's the beauty of a fantasy world, whether imagined or visually there. In an RPG game, you do get the visual component to it, right? You get the story, you get the drama, you get this magical experience of, of the journey, the adventure, uh, saving a world, like using magic, doing things that in our world isn't possible because magic doesn't exist in the way I mean, because some people are going to say it does, right? And I'm not going to like try to like whatever with that. I, I feel like if I, <laughs> but but my point is, is rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm like I'm not going to get in all of that because we could talk about that. That's a whole another discussion for another time. I'm just going to say, magic in a fantasy game you don't see in our world, right? You don't. We don't get to cast fireballs. We don't get to you know call lightning down from the heavens and and strike our target. Right. We, we don't get to, to do those things. You don't you don't we don't get to run around, you know, casting, you know, illuminating our armor and light like a like a, a, you know, freaking oath bringer paladin who's, you know, wielding the light as a weapon and charging into like vanquish demons because we don't see demons running around on a world destroying you know places and trying to like bring a dark lord into existence. That stuff doesn't happen. But it sounds like a damn good time to go on an adventure like that to me. It's fantastic. It's fantasy. It's beautiful. It's something we don't get to do here. You get to take a moment and go into this world, whether it's in a video game or a book or, I know, this beautiful middle ground that's probably tabletop, right? Where, because look, whether you're, because I'm going to say this, whether you're playing an, uh, an MMORPG or an RPG game and you get this experience, or you're reading a book and you get to imagine this experience or a tabletop where the DM can paint this picture for you and your mind gets to do a lot of the work as well to kind of like, oh, I'm envisioning this beautiful world and I'm seeing it how I want to see it. Like I, I'm in my mind creating this beautiful realm that exists that doesn't exist anywhere else. That is what it is. An amazing story that keeps me hooked that you're not sure exactly what's going to happen Right, but it's very rewarding when you get to the end of it. And sometimes you don't get a rewarding experience, and that's fair. Legend of Zelda, it's always a good time, right? I know about the universe. You know why the different you're going to the different time frames. We know all that stuff. Hyrule Historia did us right, got it back there. Beautiful thing. Love it. Love that universe. Love the Warcraft universe. Love the Elder Scrolls universe, right? Lots of games. I I love the Star Trek, you know, you know, franchise, even Star Wars, all that stuff. It's Something you know that on this planet, as human beings, we're not going to experience because that stuff doesn't exist here. But in our minds and in this moment that we invest in, we get to live this life of being a champion of the light in a game for me, right? That takes down darkness. What does Link do but wield the master sword, right? That takes the, it's literally a weapon of the light that takes down the dark Ganon. I mean, it's stuff like that, right? That's what I love about it. I love this amazing adventure you get to go on that, you know, unfortunately comes down, comes to an end some of the time. I guess unless you get into a tabletop game where you can kind of spin up something a little different. Tabletop could go on for a long time. Yeah. I've met some. So you might not know what this is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit this out there. If you do, let me know. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's a group called the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronism, mm -hmm. which is they're a reenactment group that basically it's people who it's not quite LARPing. OK, um, it, but it's similar in scope. 
but they have it's all across the united states they have kingdoms set up and you can join and you can get your own name within the kingdom and it's basically medieval reenactment without the plagues and black death and all this other stuff and it's a lot of fun and i mentioned this because i used to be a part of the sca when i was a kid that's where i learned fencing that's where i learned archery i learned leatherworking. um you learn all sorts of cool stuff if you want to really get deep into the into the SCA and they have meetings and all this other stuff. But one of the most interesting about things I met was um, when I was younger, one of the groups I was a part of because I grew up in Springfield, Missouri, which is not too far from where you live. Um, and um, that area had its own chapter and I, that was the first chapter I joined. And there was a group of I don't even remember. It's been so long ago now, a group of like five. Um, it was a husband and wife, their friends who were husband and wife and then like one of their friends, I think. And they were all in their, my memory has spoke way too much since then. It's been a long time ago. They were probably in their fifties. Right. And they had a campaign that they had been running since like the seventies and their characters were still like going on adventures and they had been getting together every weekend for like 30 years and just playing tabletop. So there are some campaigns that can go on like that, but I think most typically have, especially if you look at the way Dungeons and Dragons does it with their various franchises, like with Forgotten Realms, the the new fifth edition in particular, um, all of these modules are set around you know, like levels one to five, levels one to three, levels five to nine, whatever the case may be. But these are shorter adventures that have a beginning and an end. Now you can take those same characters and go off and do a different module, or you can do your own homebrewed thing. Either way, you're still going to have fun. It And it, it doesn't have to have an end, but it is good. I think to have an end. Um, you just mentioned um, Star Trek, which um, one of the best storylines in oh, that yeah. for me was Deep Space Nine, because especially the Cardassian, there was just so much stuff going on there. And also what they did with um, Worf and his storyline and, oh, and his relationship and, and everything else. And so, but, but Deep Space Nine had a very finite beginning. You know, had a very uh, defined beginning and a defined end. And as long as you were okay with that, then that story arc within the Star Trek universe was very amazing. Um, but it was also confined within that particular arc. It didn't, you know, spread off another thing. Um, Picard is the, the new series, uh, which I'm really enjoying oh, yeah. too. Um, cool. Can't wait for the second season. I've enjoyed Discovery, but I also feel like they're just kind of all over the place with Discovery a little bit. Whereas Picard is another version where it's kind of it's in its own bubble. Um, one of the things I wanted to say really quickly, because I, it just popped into my med, into my head where you were uh, talking about, you know, like DMs painting a picture or just anyone, mm, anybody, you know, creating yeah. something with the imagination of the mind, theater of the mind. The image behind me, which is um, from the the saga of Lucemia, like those mountains, which are where the dwarves live, the Rithkumaran Mountains, that mountain in particular is over 35 kilometers high. So we don't see anything like that in the real world. And that's something that I think is really fun that you could play around with when you get into fantasy RPGs in particular, it doesn't matter if you're a creator or not. Um, when you start doing any, it doesn't matter if it's tabletop books, video games or whatever mm. you can, like you said, with the magic, you can do things in fantasy realms that you can't do in the real world. So you can have 35 kilometer tall mountains that would be, you know, somewhat impossible to see in our in our realm and you can have fire breathing dragons and you can have you know uh, weird magic that 
brings people back to life and demons that are hell-bent on controlling you know whatever they want to control imagination is a powerful tool um no matter how you use it absolutely it's always appealed to me it just hasn't happened out of circumstance and i can reflect on some of like i think hooks here said in chat about you know when you start to play and then you like get into starting a campaign and then basically the dm just kind of doesn't does like the group doesn't stay the course doesn't stick with it that that's always unfortunate because that's that was my experience from one one of the time a couple i've only done three total the first one was like that the second two were kind of part of the same thing it was guild related i thought we were going to do more we didn't do more um but it was also kind of something we were doing casually um i wish that this... would have gone on longer but it just didn't go on longer this is also i think there's a very good um i think there's something to be said for when you treat it as more than just something you because you're not wrong yeah. because we also have people in our community and discord who have talked about how like their friends you know because we had two people who were missing last night at last night's session um one person his internet was out and the other person wasn't feeling good that's going to happen from time to time which, which is why i also think it's very important when you're going to start that you need to have between five and eight people. That way, if you lose a couple people along the mm -hmm. way, it's not a deal breaker because you're still going to have, you know, four or five other people that keep continuing the course. Mm -hmm. um, what I was going to say though is sometimes, in at least in my mind, I think the difference can be doing something casual. People don't feel like they actually are committed to something. One of the things I love about doing something, you and I had this conversation today, uh, the yeah. OCD nature of, yep. of if you commit to something, yep. Yep. you and I are of the type of mindset that once we've committed to something, it doesn't matter if we don't sleep, it doesn't stay the matter course. if we don't eat, you stay the course. Hey, everybody hears that and around so, all the time. <laughs> I would love to point out that the reason critical role became the sensation that it is, is because they treated it like a job. And so they showed up and they recorded every single week like clockwork and they did several hundred episodes. Oh, yeah. Another group um, called the Dungeon Dudes, not as big, they just ran a $1.2 million Kickstarter um, that finished last month, I believe, for their campaign, which they played out over the course of a year on their YouTube channel. Um, and it was, I think, five of them, and they did this campaign. Then they took the campaign, turned it into a module, which is levels 1 to 13, homebrew thing, did a Kickstarter for it, um, and raised $1.2 million. Jeez. Again, the reason that they were able to do that is because they live-streamed it, so they made a commitment to yeah. actually showing up because if you start live streaming it yeah. and you've committed to doing it on Wednesday nights or Tuesday yep. nights or Friday mornings, whatever it is, if you don't show up, you're not only letting down your party members, you're letting community. down the community. Yep. So I think from my perspective, one of the ways that I've always been able to get good groups is because I've always treated it like a job. It's like, if we're going to do this, like yeah, we're going to do this. And I've oh, been yeah. lucky enough to have people around me who treat it similarly. Um, there's only been one bad case and this was many, many, many years ago when I was much younger. Um, we, it was, it was one of the few sessions where I didn't DM, um, and I had joined, uh, um, a, a group of people who I only knew in passing and I was in between campaigns. I was like, I, I would love to play some D and D so I'll join. And I was like, we got three or four weeks in, and I the only reason I left was because the the DM and his and his wife 
were just not good DMs. No. And they were like control freaks and like using rulers and like, are you within the 30 feet range and all this other stuff? And like, that's not fun to me. Like, I just, yeah, it was, it was like, well, there's no fun in this because now we're not role playing. Now we're not having adventure. We're like, well, you can't cast the magic missile from there because you're technically 32 feet away and you have to be within (laughs) 30 feet. And it's like, okay, you know what? Oh man. And and we had a little bit of a spat one night because I was like, well, why can't I do that? Like this, that's the part of heroic adventure and, and, and role play and, you know, Gandalf coming into the cavern in the Hobbit. Right. And like smashing his staff down with the great goblin and there's a flash of light. And like, that is like, that's the adventure of role play and 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 yeah but that's that that's the only bad experience i've ever had thankfully um i've not had a lot of those but i have a lot of friends and associates i know who have had those bad experiences where they try to start a group and within three or four sessions it falls apart because people are like have lives you know that's that's a that's a reality too man i uh i was gonna say too i got a Hold on, I got this message from Cheryl here about this. C.S. Lewis on admonitions uh, not to scare children with scary fantasy stories. Since it is so likely they will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Otherwise, you're making their destiny not brighter but darker. We need fantasy mm-hmm. worlds desperately. Mm-hmm. Love that. So I would also like to say one of the things that, that Wizards of the Coast has done brilliantly as an FYI, we bought this. Well, actually, my brother bought it. I say we because I was the one who said you need to buy this for... Oh. my nephew for your son <laughs> so D has a has a little kid's kit right it's like three or four books in a box set sleeve and it's not the rules there's no rules in it at all i'm gonna i'm gonna i need to go find it now um let me look this up you know it's quick. also really uh, funny about this discussion right back there are three tabletop games two of which are signed by steven sharif ceo creative director at intrepid studios for that nice. charity event we did last year is like is it gloomhaven is one of them and i forget the other one one's a world of warcraft tabletop and then one's the one i purchased that i thought i could do on my bro day with my brothers right but we just haven't gotten to it yet it's basically like this four person D sort of like tabletop like basic game it's like sort of to get people oriented to it and i was like maybe i can teach my brothers how to play this and we can all learn it together and we can get taught by this like tabletop like kind of more oh my god i wonder if that's similar i just drop that into chat it's it's called the the young adventures collection and it's four books warriors and weapons monsters and creatures dungeons and tombs wizards and spells so it's it's these four books that um kids can read and what it is is it's just a book of concept art and descriptions which is priming a young audience for eventually getting into playing dungeons and dragons because there's no rules in these books it's literally just badass concept art and descriptions which is getting those juices flowing the inspiration and it's all about the heroes and then of course also the bad guys that the heroes are gonna vanquish but it's also like the coolest part is like the the warriors and weapons and wizards and spells because it gives them all this information about you know, spells and, and the weapons and the armors and the cool magical items that you can get in the bag of holding. And like, it's just, nice. I love the C.S. Lewis quote, by the way, that's a brilliant, um, yeah, isn't it? it's a brilliant thing that he said. And he did a good job. FYI. Um, one of our long-term fans, Liam, um, he has, he, he Liam's Lucy, is his YouTube channel. He reviews books. He's never read Narnia. And I was like, dude, 
you have got to go read the Narnia books because they are, even though they are somewhat children's books, they're still just as relevant for adults as well. Mm. But one of the things they did really well, even though they are kind of overtly, and this is a criticism as for, for me as a, as a, as an adult, um, they, they can be a little overtly religious, which is a pro or a con, depending on which side of the table you're from. If you could put that aside, regardless of which side of the table you're from, they are amazing books that teach kids the importance of, first of all, first and foremost, you know, working together towards achieving something and overcoming odds and overcoming goals, but also the importance of being good. It has nothing to do with religion or Christianity or anything. It's just the, like you say, the, the bringers of light, you know, like being the good, defeating the evil and, yeah. and his books, they also, it's not quite as black and white as, as everything is made out to be. Um, but I think um, those books are a great introduction for kids into the realm of fantasy um, as opposed to say the Lord of the Rings, which is not, you know, I mean, I read it when I was seven years old and loved it, but also was confused as hell by half of what was going on. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Hobbit was a lot more fun when I, I read the Hobbit when I was five and, and, you know, the adventures of Bilbo were amazing, but also, you know, the dragon and smog was scary as shit to a five-year-old. You know, people give me a hard time sometimes about like, Ooh, you want to be that little, the good little two shoot knight. And I'm like, the light bringers aren't always perfect. That, that's an important thing to, to point out, right? Like just because you're there to defeat evil and you're wielding lives of weapon doesn't mean you, you don't have some shit going on or demons of your own, or, you know, it doesn't mean you're always good all the time. Like sometimes they're tortured souls and they, don't always make the best choices along the way, but they struggle. And part of the struggle is what makes it a beautiful experience. You know, like the struggle to, to be better, you know, to be better than like what they've done and like how they've lived or something like that, that kind of like redemption sort of like arc to, to a story, I think is a really good thing too. But, um, you know, I feel like today's show is really going to be a lot about stories again, but, when we think about like games that we're natural, naturally like gravitating to, you know, what also makes them worth the investment? I think that's an important thing. I think that's monetary actually, investment or time investment. I'm going to go with like investment of your time. Let's talk about the resource you don't get back, you know, as far unless okay. someone's got yeah. a time machine now and I don't know about it, but if you do hit me up, I'd like to know it'd be great to go um, <clears throat> on an adventure. But my point is, is like, because money, you know, money, I don't want to put it, make it about money, but about a person's time invested, like what makes a game worth your time, your time in chat, my time, anybody listening, watching us later, what makes it worth your time and your investment in that game? That's a really good question. Um... One of the things that keeps me involved in a story is if there is an epic story arc. Um, and I don't I, – I, I heavily dislike mm -hmm. um, prophecy games where I'm the prophesied one. Oh, or I'm prophesied, the, um, yeah. I really don't like that. But what I do like – I like a story where um, – so there's something that I, I use a term in my tabletop system – where um, and this is what I got from the mentor guy I was mentioning earlier. Um, player characters should have something called 
PC status, player character status, and it's it's what allows you to become a hero as opposed to being stuck as as as, as a servant, you know, flopping muck or shoveling stables or something. It's why you can have an 18 stat instead of a nine, or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so any type of game that can allow me to go from a nobody to being somebody without a prophecy being the reason why those tend to be the games that I heavily enjoy Mm. because I feel like I'm actually progressing on a journey of becoming as opposed to a journey of arriving at a destination because if predetermined sort of or predetermined path, you know? Um, so I really like those stories where, um, where you get to, where you get to break from that trope of prophecy. Um, which is ironic because also one of my favorite book series is The Wheel of Time, which is definitely a book about prophecy. Um, and but it's you know also breaking some of the rules of prophecy. Same thing with the Sword of Truth series. There's there's some breaking of prophecy there in 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 those books. But game wise, I I really need to feel like I'm progressing on a journey and not just on a predetermined path. So that mm. that's an important thing for me. The moment that I start feel feeling like I'm just doing something that's already been planned for me, I, right. I just lose interest and I'm out. Um, yeah, especially or, like, in the- or when someone can sort of like, they can always like, I don't like it either. I'm sorry. Sorry. I have to, I don't want to forget this. No, thought. it's good. I, you know, when, whenever you've got like a companion who's constantly going, this is about to happen. I don't like that shit. Like it ruins. Foreshadowing. The yeah. Up. I don't like that. Like, Oh, I just, you know, I think, I think one thing that was like, uh, was like, uh, I, I didn't, you know, I, of course I watched the Twilight movies, right? Some, some of us have, but there was like the one character what was her name, Alice or something. What was her name? Which one now? She's the one that like, isn't it in the Twilight stuff and Alice or whatever, the one, the vampire that can actually like, to read the future kind of knows what's Alice. Yeah, 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 yeah. She can, okay. she can, yeah, she can, yeah, she reads the future. Yeah. Like, I didn't like that. Like, I didn't want that there. I didn't like any of that stuff going on. It's like, stop telling me what's going to happen. Like, I'll t- stop telling us, like, how this is about to go down. You know, I think there could, there, I just don't like it. You know, I mean, it's like you're telling me what's going to happen before it happens. It's like spoiling it within the story already. And I, I like, I like those moments where it's just like, this just happened. You're like, oh, shit. And they have to react to it. This is, this goes back. I'm gonna. Oh my god! I gotta throw this back around again to one of the reasons I love tabletop so much, because everything can be planned out, right? But a roll of the dice or the whim of a character deciding to role play something can throw everything into chaos. And now you're reacting to a situation as opposed to just playing a, a role in something that's already been determined. Um, so anytime I could see that replicated in a game scenario or in a movie or a book, I'm all for that. Especially, you know, you were talking about an investment of time, especially in today's day and age where, where we're given so much free shit yeah. um, that's vying for our attention, right? I give a lot of attention to a lot of different things. Um, George Lucas had something called the three-second rule, which I love, um, which uh, uh, was all about, you know, when he's – preparing to go into a room to look at you know 500 pieces of concept art that his artists have drawn for a set or an alien or whatever the case may be he has the uh, a three second rule and it's like look at something and if and if you don't like it within three seconds it just it's trash now if it's something that piques your attention within those first three seconds 
then that moves into the next pile, which is, okay, we're going to give this a little more consideration. Let's iterate on that a little bit, and let's maybe see what, what we can make of that if we can. And then, of course, you do that again with a slightly more refined process. And I have sort of developed, it's not quite three, it's not three seconds, but I've definitely developed this system of, if a game hasn't been able to give me something within the first 30 minutes, I'm out. Because I get so much free shit, whether it's from the PlayStation Store or the Epic Store or GOG or Steam or all these free-to-play games that yeah, I might download and true. do a trial yeah. of. It's like if something hasn't grabbed me within the first 30 minutes, it's not going to hold my attention beyond the first 30 minutes. Um, and it's hard for a game to do that. Um, I'm still on the fence as an example. I'm on the fence about New World. Yeah. Because I did play it and was like, there's some things here that I kind of like, but there's no real good story. And I'm like, that yeah, drives me nuts. Because I need that Same. story for the immersion into an MMORPG or to an RPG of any kind. I do too. Um, I, I, uh, I did a review of a game called Rebel Galaxy the other day, which is not an RPG. It, it sort of is an RPG, but you, you have a ship and you fly around space and you do missions and there are story missions and you are following a story but i don't have an avatar to associate with it's a ship and so i lose there's mm. something there that i can't quite connect with even though there is a storyline and it's an rpg that's going on um but what what really got me into that was like the music is so good that i was like it's like a cross between the soundtrack from sons of anarchy and like the house band and like firefly so it was like this really cool space western rock music and then at the same time you're like blowing shit up and everything else but once i got a little bit further into the game it was like well all i'm doing is blowing shit up and doing these kind of cheesy missions and so within the first 30 minutes i was like yeah i'm out because you know it, it, it's yeah. it's it wasn't quite 30 minutes i mean I'm, i've i've played it since then because i'm i am trying to get through it but it's like it 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 didn't pull me in as much as say Celasta did when I when I or or even Cyberpunk, which despite all the bugs that Cyberpunk had when it launched, um, it still had a very good storyline and it it pulled me in. And there were some things that happened that I didn't think were like I was I was envisioning the story going a different way, um, and it didn't. So um, yeah, I was I was happy to see that. But inversion of time, it's got to be good story, man. You know, I, I feel important. I will say though that like I I am okay with some prophesizing, but I like it vague. Uh, if if it's that there, good. I like it if it's vague and you don't know who exactly when. You just know like a really loose set of circumstances of how something's supposed to play out, but that could be interpreted in a lot of different ways. That I'm cool with. That I'm actually totally cool with. In fact, I've even thought about using that in some other stories, but not this like super defined you are the one you will do these things this is to come to pass i'm like oh or like complete like you know uh like envisioning the future exactly how it's going down or something i don't like that stuff um which then kind of takes us to this other point of reference that pitfalls of games right where we often see players leave or you know have left as a result ourselves I will tell you, I I also am like you. I if I can't get in, if there's not some story there that just is appealing and catches my attention, and it doesn't even have to be like super deep at first either. Um, I think a game that has caught my attention to a degree, right, that I might give a shot is this game called um, what's it called? It's it's coming out here real soon. Um, it is called 
Lost Ark kind of seemed yeah. interesting. Um, I know that it's being ported over. Uh, I might check that game out. Now, it, it kind of has that over. It looks like it has that over that style, like Diablo and stuff like that, which I'm not always a big fan of. But it could work for certain games, like Diablo, it works. It works in Path of Exile. Um, sometimes you just want to be able to see in front of your characters. I want to see the landscape and the beautiful you know, surrounding area, and I don't want to be looking at the ground most of the time. So mm-hmm. it's a little tricky for me. I'm, I'm real, real hit or miss on that. But that one looked like maybe it's kind of interesting. Like I kind of went on their website and read over it and I was like, you know, it's not like it's, there's not like a ton of depth, you know? but it, yeah, but it still is. It's intrigued me enough to want to give it a try. That's really all you got to do. And I might give it a shot. Mm-hmm. That was where I didn't I didn't I didn't get that with New World. Like I didn't even get that sort of no and and the ones that usually turn me off immediately are survival games um like i tried conan exiles yeah tried other things and when there's no story and you're just throwing me in and it's like you're just uh, but i'm not going to name any names here um there's an uh, an indie um there's one of many but there is Mm. a recent one that i tried a demo of an indie uh survival game that's in the works um and the the developer asked for feedback and I, it's one of the few times I haven't given feedback because I had nothing good to say and Ooh. I didn't want to I didn't want to Yikes. shit all over this guy's dreams because right. there were people who enjoyed it but what what blew me away was like it's like you just get dumped on an island and you just wake up naked and you're gathering stuff to build a fire and make a knife and all this stuff. And I'm like, but why am I here? What's going on? Like, what is the point? Like you haven't even given me mm. a story to let me know that there was something that got me to the Island in the first place or the reason that I'm here. Um, I still to this day think one of the best introductions to a game of all time. And I know Nathan isn't here to rant about this. No. So we'll have to come back to this next time, which is Skyrim, which the stupid. Oh my God. We still have to hit on that. Um, We're going to totally hit on the next um, time. Making a note. But the intro to Skyrim is still in my mind. One of the best intro hooks of any game I have ever played in the history of my time playing games. Like, you're a prisoner and you're in a freaking wagon and it's like okay and also morrowind because you're a prisoner on a boat and you Oblivion, like Oblivion prisoner and then yeah it's a great hook yeah. and by the way a lot of a lot of dms will talk about you know what are some of the great ways to uh, what are the great hooks to get your characters together to get started and a lot of people like to use the prison one because it's like everybody wakes up <laughs> in a cell together and it's like everyone can have a different reason why they're there but you're all prisoners together it's a great way to start a story as opposed to doing a tavern setting but I do love that uh, the intro to Skyrim in particular. Um, I love, and uh, uh, it's just that's one of those things where if you can pull me in with something like that right away, whereas opposed to these survival games where they just dump you in the middle of a desert or an island and they're like, build a fire and have good luck and try not to let the wolves kill you, and it's like, <laughs> what is the point? Like, I don't, I don't like that at all. That's just why I don't like survival games as a general rule. You know, I think that was what it was originally. And it's it's unfortunate, though, when it happens, I think, because sometimes that happens and the game is good. Sometimes that happens and the game is good. And a perfect example. OK. Arc. Arc, when it was first in, in like in its testing phases, it wasn't polished and didn't look good. It, it just kind of looked whatever. And that's literally it. You wake up 
you got this thing in your wrist, right? That basically helps you to basically craft and all that stuff. And you don't know how it's there. That's cool, right? Let's figure that out. Intrigued. Yeah. You're intrigued, right? But you're basically just there naked and there's like dinosaurs everywhere about to kill you. And I'm like, what is this? Some caveman bullshit? Like, I'm not trying to play this. It, and it didn't, and it was choppy or whatever. Come back years after this has been out. Now it's already got like it's, I think it was Aberration was the expansion that was currently out at the time when I actually picked it back up again. Community member told me to try it. I jump in there. I suck it up, get killed by a lot of piranhas and raptors, hate them with everything in my being. Raptors and piranhas will always be on my shit list in real life or in any, any world, any life. Because I basically got ruined over and over and over by them until I figured out what the hell I was doing. But in Ark, there's actually a really pretty good, rich story, but you don't get it. You don't know about it. And it didn't really deliver one initially into like whenever you jumped in to play the first time too. So I wasn't intrigued to play it. It wasn't until it came back later, years later, tried the game out, got my ass handed to be a bunch, played on some toxic official servers, finally got a private server with some homies and stuff, jumped in, explored some maps, found these like little crates. And you go and they give you these experience boosts while you're running around crafting or taming or whatever. And there's like little story chapters about these people. And you go to find out there is a very rich story to this whole set of uh, game and expansions and maps and all this stuff. And you got a crazy mod community that make amazing like mods and like maps and stuff. I mean, really, really great. Like Ark is probably one of my favorite games now. And I feel, I do feel that I missed out and wished I had been there from the very beginning and not tapped out. But I know I tapped out because there wasn't that intrigue of a story or something that was like, oh, if they could have just been like given us a very loose snapshot of even all of those little bits of story that would have been on that island map initially, something very, very basic just to outline it with a with some detail, some detail to intrigue me, I probably would have played it because I would have realized it isn't just a caveman fighting dinos. It's not actually some prehistoric game, which is all I thought it was. And I was very wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, there, there could be other games that I have ignored because of that, because they didn't give me enough of a story hook mm -hmm. in the beginning. The other thing that turns me off too a lot of the times is is games that are all about action combat. Um, I don't really care about action combat. If it's part of a good game, then cool, it can make that game enjoyable. But action combat is not in and of itself enough to make me want to play something. Which is why, you know, when I watched the Lost Ark videos, mm -hmm. I actually was watching those before we jumped on the stream because I, I hadn't really paid attention to this game. And I was like, the, the initial videos, I was like, eh, it looks a little too flashy for me unless there's a good story that, that's backing yeah. this up and giving me a reason. And then when I went in and dug into the website, I was like, well, okay, there is some intriguing stuff here. If it's if it's going to be a free-to-play game, I haven't dug into it enough. It's, if it's going to be a free-to-play game, I'll probably give it a shot. Mm -hmm. um, if it's going to be something that is 30 40 bucks, I'll probably skip on it. The only reason being, of course, because I just I'm investing all the time and energy into going through all of Final Fantasy 14. I already own pre, uh, New World. I've got Wrath, Pathfinder Wrath of Rice is coming out. I'm going to be busy all winter just with like those three games. And then if I decide to, I'm not going to lie, the, the yesterday, the announcement of the special edition uh, of the Xbox Series X, the Halo Infinite Edition with the 
special. Oh, it just looks so cool. And I looked at that and went, I don't need to buy an Xbox, but man, 600 bucks might, might go away really Ooh. quick. <laughs> You're like, but it might happen. I still have not purchased a PS5. And the reason is because all the games that I want to buy for the PS5 have been pushed back to 2022. So I don't oh, feel compelled to buy one when nothing I'm going to want to play is going to cap it until next year. But Halo Infinite coming out in December, that's one of those games as an FYI. The reason I love Halo is not because mm. it's a first-person shooter. The reason I love Halo is because I think that has one of the coolest science fiction storylines of any of the console games that I've ever played. Um, just the the story of Master Chief and Corona throughout the first art. And then, obviously, those games were beautiful and revolutionary for their time. Um, but the story for me was always – I never got into the multiplayer. I never got into the online uh, PvP or any of that stuff. Because I think, like, some of these big streamers, like, wasn't it even, like um, – I'm not even gonna remember his name. Ninja was that his name? Wasn't he like a Halo streamer back in the day? Uh, way back, yeah, he was actually. Doctor Disrespect, way back in the day. These were guys that got started in like Halo Two and stuff. Like, I never got into the PvP aspect of it, but the storyline for me, which by the way, for those of you if you've never watched the mini series that they did, uh, the Halo mini series, which mm -hmm. I believe Ridley Scott was behind, um, very well done. Uh, the actor from um, crap. Can't remember the Iron uh, Luke Cage. He was the actor from Luke Cage. He was in it. I can't remember his name. It was a really good miniseries they did for Halo. Um, I like the Halo franchise, and for me, it's always been about the story, not um, the fact that it's a first-person shooter. Interesting. Yeah, because that was one of the games I could never really get into much. But um, it. I think there's yeah the Halo Infinite. That's the one that's coming out, right? Yeah, December eighth. I think was they just announced the other day. Interesting. December 8th. And we got another thing in December, which is the Witcher second season of the Witcher coming out. I want to hit on one more thing Witch. real quick. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. I was going to say the, uh, the, the, the animated prequel just came out. I think. Yes. On past week Monday. Yeah. My wife and I have not watched it yet. It's on our list. It's like, that's I our, I think that's what we're doing this weekend. I started it and I'm super stoked to get through it right now. Not gonna lie, right. It's really Sweet. intriguing. Yeah, we're going to oh, do it this weekend. I want to say something about wait till next time. I wanted to hit on this one thing. You actually shared this with me before. Sure. I'm going to link it to everybody here. We're going to cover this topic real quick. Disney Plus orders Nautilus, a Captain oh, yeah. Nemo original yeah. series. What, dude? This is this good is stuff. The, yeah, this is one of those nerd, nerd culture things because I've watched probably every iteration of 20 Leagues Under the Sea that's ever been done. I've mm. watched pretty much every iteration of like journey to the center of the earth that's ever been done around the world in 80 days, every version of that that's ever been done. I grew up and, and Jules Verne is one of those classic authors that I just loved. Like, it's kind of like if you ever read Edgar Rice Burroughs, like the early Tarzan novels and, and, and oh, you yeah. know, John Carter read. of Mars and all that stuff. I want to read that. I watched the movie, but the story, I heard the book so much better though. Dude, the John the Carter of Mars. Yeah, that was like what okay. comics or something or no, they were something before? pulp. They were pulp, um, way pulp back. novels, way back in like way. the early 1900s that yeah. were published in a serialized format. Okay, um, right. and then they eventually came out in book. And I have tucked away. It cost me a pretty penny, but I have the Michael Wellen covered box set, which is immaculate, and took me like five years to track down. Wow. Um, but they're short books because they were published as serialized adventures. 
Um, and I honestly thought the movie iteration was so amazing. Like they covered it. the that they did the first book perfectly and if you look at the shortness of those books each one of those books can be turned into a two and a half hour movie easily because you don't have to cut anything out because there's it's just concise but um that type of storytelling um so i love jules verne and this just caught my eye because i was like man disney's disney's starting to produce some uh, some stuff that's outside of the marvel and um star wars universes which i think is really cool because it shows that they're willing to put money into creating quality content that isn't related to their major franchises Mm -hmm. and i think when you're innovating at that level is when you start to see some really cool stuff come out it doesn't have to be a three season thing it can be a limited season with 10 episodes um as an example i don't know how many watched the most recent iteration of Watchmen on hbo which came out i think last year the year before um it was a limited one-off miniseries fucking amazing and i was like you had all these people online clamoring for a second season it's like no 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 like you don't need to touch that like it was good enough with one just treat it like a movie it was a miniseries um other times they've done things like I liked the original Stand miniseries, the Stephen King miniseries from like the 90s with um, – I can't remember who all the actors are in that one. But that miniseries I liked with like uh, – Whoopi Goldberg was in the new one I think actually. Um, but anyway, the, the new one that they just did this last year, The Stand, my wife and I watched it and I was just like eh. – like I didn't really <laughs> care for it. Whereas I really like the original version of the miniseries. Anyway, I'm I'm digressing here. I think this is cool because it's they're they're taking a spin on the classic um, character, the uh, Captain Nemo, um, and 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 they're giving him a backstory now. The mm-hmm. reason I think this is cool is for those of you who have never watched Black Sails. Black Sails is a prequel to Treasure Island, and anybody who's ever read Treasure Island as a kid, that's a kid's book. We've seen the Muppet Treasure Island. We've seen the 60s version of Treasure Island. It is a kid's tale, a kid's movie. Black Sails is not a kid's show, ladies and gentlemen. That is an adult R-rated pirate orgy of blood guts and everything else. And it is an amazing show with an amazing soundtrack, Baby McCree. But what I loved about it was they took characters that were only mentioned in passing in Treasure Island, and they gave them fleshed out backstories and then created this whole – this whole epic prequel series to treasure Island. And so I'm hoping what they can do here is they'll do a similar thing where they've taken the concept of captive Nero, uh, Nemo, Nemo. I always forget what his name is. It's been a long time since I read that book. Um, and, and, and they're going to give him a backstory now where he's like a disgraced. I haven't, I haven't oh, wow. read this in a couple of days. Um, but if I remember correctly, they're doing this. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at the article quick. So I'm not misquoting. Um, yeah, the series is going to depict him as an Indian prince robbed of his birthright and family who has been taken prisoner by the East Indian Trading Company who has set sail with the ragtag crew on board the awe-aspiring vessel battling foes and discovering magical underwater worlds. Oh. Which I was like, that sounds badass! Underwater like, worlds, it's like, damn, yes. You're going to flesh out a character that previously was only known as a captain of the submarine. Yeah. And so now you're giving him a story. And if it goes good, I'm sure they'll pick it up and do more seasons. But... I've liked everything that Disney Plus has done so far. Um, a lot of people bitched too, right? That's... Right. So a lot of people bitched when they first came out because all they had yeah. was the Mandalorian. But since they've come out and they've done, you know, three different uh, Marvel series, 
Um, they've got like four or five more Marvel series come out. They've done a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't even watched The Bad Batch, which is the most recent Star Wars animated show that's based off some of the characters you meet in the seventh season of The Clone Wars. Like they've done so much cool stuff with Star Wars. They're doing so much cool stuff with the Marvel Universe. Um, they've done like Mulan, the most recent uh, live action uh, movie was really good, like really well done. Um, so, I, I mean, I think Disney will continue to produce some some good content through Disney Plus, even if their business practices leave a little bit to be wanting sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was I was excited because I like Jules Verne. So, yeah, I, I need to I, I feel like there's a lot of books I either need to reread because as an adult, I feel like my reading through something I read when I was maybe like, you know, early teens, I feel like my 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 mind's going to do something very different with it now than I, than I, I know that I would have then. Right. Because just the way that as an adult, my mind works now, like I, I know I'm able to, to envision something much greater and grander than I, I was able and capable of back then. Um, and yo, would we get Nathan on next week? We are so starting it off talking about Skyrim. Um, Here's the hoping he doesn't look at the show doc because I put it there first thing as a reminder. And I just want to preface it. But I just want to talk about it next time and be like, dude, I'm so excited about this game coming out. You guys are not going to believe it. Like it feels like such a long time coming again to see it. Nathan, I got to hear what you think about this game, dude. You know what I'm talking about? He'll be like, I'm be like, dude, we're getting Skyrim again, man. We're getting Skyrim, but we're getting it in this pristine special edition. The worst part is, you know, he's probably going to buy it. Oh, we are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my brother and I both <laughs> went. As soon as we get next generation consoles, we're yeah. buying it. Like, yeah. it's stupid how they get us with it, you know. But it's also like, well, it's no different than like I had Zelda with Nintendo, dude. Like, you read right. HD also, version of Wind Waker, you're like, ah, oh, shit. I totally went and bought the legendary edition of Mass Effect, despite the fact that I've played those games like three times over the years. You know, it was like, yeah, I'm going to get it. You got me. It's those nostalgia balls. Nostalgia Once bait. again, yep. just got to tickle those babies. And if you do that, <laughs> then I'm I'm all in. Like, you got me. You got, you got me. me. Got him. Jeez, dude. So, friends, I think that's where we're going to wind this one down because we've got a really good show next week. And with that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and wind this one down. Renfell, why don't you shout out your domains? Where can where people can find you when you're not on the show? Um, the the most important thing that we're doing right now is all over at Patreon. Um, it's patreon.com forward slash Renfell. Um, that's where we're doing all the stuff that we're working on with the tabletop game, the serialized novelization. Um, Chapter 5 just went live today as an example. And then the point-and-click adventure game where my brother is mostly working on that. Um, that's where we do most of the stuff. Uh, YouTube is where I do like my Lord of the Rings online cooking mm -hmm. videos and some of my game reviews. And now that I'm 13 days into Twitch, I do have to mention Twitch now. You can also find me here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Renfell. I'm streaming early mornings, 7 to 10 in the morning Central Time. So if you want to come hang out with coffee uh, and watch me have bedhead, bedbeard, and wake up with gaming, feel free. But those are the main places you can find me, folks. Yeah, Meat Hook said, got to tickle those balls. Hell of a way to end the show, <laughs> fellas. You know, we we aim we aim to please, man. Uh, everyone, we're going to have Nathan back probably next time. Keep in mind, this weekend he should be releasing. If all goes well, 
his uh his weekend baby yeah it's his weekend so with any luck we'll all be playing it this weekend and be able to talk to him about it next time um kind of sharing our experiences so everybody this might be the end of today's show but uh you know we're always looking for more to join the party rants plenty. till next time friends you all stay safe have a great week we'll see you again real soon have a great night walk in the light friends <laughs>